So hello everyone. Happy Merry 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 Christmas and welcome to Theo Social this very special episode of Theo Social on Christmas night. Um I just thought it was uh, it would be a really cool uh way to commemorate Christmas and also because I am testing out this awesome new microphone that my husband got me as my Christmas gift. So really excited. Um, and if you can't tell, I'm also, I'm trying to paint a picture for you guys, but I'm also um, recording this episode in our closet because our kids are super asleep. Thank you, Jesus. Um, and yeah, just trying to really get all these audio kinks down, so bear with me, but I definitely just wanted to share a few thoughts and just kind of a bit of um, a teaching of some things that I've been learning out of um, the book of Luke and just some, a very important person that I think is um, a, a huge piece to the Christmas story, but not just to the Christmas story, but the Christmas story continued. So the part that is to come after the fact. So um, yeah, so thank you everyone so far that has supported me and has cheered me on and been of an encouragement um, for my podcast uh, this year. And to those of you who are new and that are just joining for the first time, you're just kind of like, Theo Social, what is this? What does this mean? So Theo, out of theology, social, out of sociology. So we're theology meets sociology. So we are going to be um, just really diving into uh, what does theology look like on the everyday life for all of us. And then in the sociology component, sociology is just a study of society. So how theology um, really meets um, culture, family life, uh, your lifestyle, work, all those good things. And then just really utilizing God's word as our needle, as our anchor and the center of really bringing us back in, reeling us back in and and gaining a sense of purpose and understanding, not allowing for problems or circumstances or just pop culture or whatever, fill in the blank to be our compass and our guide, but rather God's word to be our guide. So hence, theosocial. So welcome. So, like I mentioned, today's a little bit different, a little special, but we are still on our Create series. And so just to do a brief recap, so Create, um, we have been discussing a few things. We've dived into the creation narrative in Genesis and uh, discussed what it looks like to be creative beings and what that looks like on a practical level, on a spiritual, on a physical as well, um, because we are first spiritual beings and we are existing as spiritual beings in a physical world and in a culture, many different cultures for some of us. Um, so it's expressed in many different ways and we have various levels in where we connect with God. Um, and just, it, I think, trying to understand what that looks like walking that out. And then there's even creative elements that God has called each and every one of us to live out. And so we discussed uh, various things and how that ties into 
the different thoughts in theology and just the everyday life. Um, so I thought it was something that would tie in well. So there is a specific person that I came across. I mean, I've read this story. I grew up in church and this was just kind of something that you just read. But I, to be honest with you, I've actually never really heard a sermon like personally, like I've, I've watched a sermon on YouTube. Um, and actually, yeah, like about two and then just read through, um, different, uh, commentaries on, on this person's, uh, character in the gospels. But other than that, I haven't really heard too much about this person. So I think that was another reason why it intrigued me so much. And just, um, the impact, um, that she made in the Christmas narrative, uh, the creative Christmas narrative, um, and just how she was a part of Jesus's life, even, um, in his infancy. So beginning stages. So, yeah, I thought it would be really cool to dive into that. So we are going to be um, discussing through uh, Luke chapter 2. So I'm going to be pointing through a few verses prior, but it is pretty lengthy. I'm not going to read the whole thing because this is not popcorn reading, <laughs> reading everything, but I am going to read a little bit of it just to give a bit of context. So it starts off, so chapter two in Luke, it starts off in verse 21, goes all the way down to about verse 40. And this is when uh, baby Jesus, so when um, Joseph and Mary, after the purification period, so, you know, Mary gives birth. Um, in Bible times, there was about uh, the customary 40 days of purification. Once that time was over, the expectation was for the couple to um, take the baby to the temple and um, make uh, the, like the, think of it like a baby dedication, like what we do now today. Um, there are some churches that practice um, christenings or uh child baptisms. Uh, in this instance, in the Jewish culture, um, they would go and present Jesus at the temple. And so they went and did this. And there was a specific man there that um, was prompted by the Holy Spirit to be there specifically on that day that you needed to go there. So this person's name was Simeon. So in chapter 25, it says, now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord, the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. And so he was this, I mean, how should I say? So I think many times, and even I'm guilty of this, we can really browse through scripture really quickly, like, yeah, 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 okay. But so right now what just happened, what we just read, so the Holy Spirit prompted him to do something. To you and I, many modern day believers, prompting, you know, we're sensing God's spirit tell us something or kind of impress upon us to go do something, go talk to somebody that may not necessarily be something that's kind of out of the ordinary. If you are 
someone that is practicing the Christian faith, you're just kind of like, yeah, sure. That, yeah, okay, that makes sense. But that was not really the case prior to uh, Jesus dying on the cross and the Pentecost. That was a unique, a unique encounter were very few instances individuals in the Old Testament and even prior to Jesus's birth had those types of encounters and connections with God's spirit. And so this is definitely a man, a godly man who had uh, God's favor over his life. There was something that God saw in him and he was humble. He was lowly. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't like a king or royalty or, you know, that he had money, that type of thing. It's just, there was a, a sensitivity. There was, he was somebody that was devout. It, the scripture tells us that he was a righteous man and that he was devout. Those are the two words that it describes him as. And so, being that he was so committed and dedicated to the faith, it tells us that he was someone that when God's spirit did speak into him, he recognized that this was God because he was already living it. So could you imagine not being able to, as a believer, have the Holy Spirit's prompting to, you know, just be that guide to prompt you in the right direction? To me, that's like essential, you know, like just it, it is a life source like you, I depend on it, you know, and then there's many times where I'm just like, Lord, I can't hear from you. Like, I please, I need like a sign. I need you to like give me direction, like speak louder, <laughs> move the noise away. And yet this was a regular reoccurrence where there was just complete silence. All there was was the the temple manuscripts, or you just memorize uh, the Ten Commandments or the Torah, that was it. There was no one speaking in, you know, like no Holy Spirit speaking and saying something. It was just whatever the priest said and, you know, whatever was written, you just went by that. So it's, it. I mean, wow, it, it, it is, um, to me, it, it's something commendable, you know, because, they really did it out of pure faith. There was nothing that they could have easily just been like, well, there's no sign, there's no proof, so why am I following this, or what's this about? And yet, he persisted. And so that, uh, that's definitely like a legacy of faith, uh, a man of tremendous um, vigor and zeal, at, like, that he knew in his bones, like that he knew that he knew that he knew that this was like life truth. Like you could not divide him from it. Like he was going to do this, live this out. And because he lived it out for such a long time, when the Holy Spirit did prompt him, it wasn't even a question. It was just like, absolutely. I'm going to the temple. Like nothing's getting in my way. I'm doing this. So when he arrived at the temple, he immediately recognized baby Jesus and uh, approached Joseph and Mary. He um, basically, he spoke a, a blessing and a prophecy over baby Jesus. And the scripture continues on and it tells us in verse 33 that both Joseph and Mary were just, the, the term that's used here in the NLT is 
they were marveled, like just kind of like speechless, like what is happening right now? Like we are just kind of, you know, going with the, the typical milestones that we're supposed to do as new parents, as new Jewish parents. And this is crazy. Like there's this person that we don't know and he's approaching us and he's giving us all of this really radical insight. And mind you, you know, many of you who are coming out of the Christmas season or those of you who have been in the faith, whether you grew up or, or not, um, we know that in the, the Christmas narrative, the creative Christmas narrative, we know that the angel of the Lord first appeared to Mary, right? Telling her, hey, the spirit of the Lord is going to come upon you and you are going to be pregnant with a baby. It's going to be a divine conception. She goes, tells Joseph after the fact, Joseph is blown away because it's like, hey, yeah, we're engaged. We're planning our wedding. What's this about? This is not okay. And he was literally planning to quietly divorce her, right? An angel of the Lord appeared to him and confirmed like, hey, Joseph, what Mary's saying is not a lie. She's not making things up. It's truth. So believe her and yeah, go ahead. Like, you know, God is with you. Really just um, affirming him and affirming his faith, which even that again, like these radical spiritual divine encounters, like that really, again, speaks to like the fact that this was God, like God, you know, and on top of it, like I mentioned, this wasn't regular occurrences. There had been a 400 year period of complete silence. So meaning that there wasn't a priest or there wasn't a prophet who was speaking, uh, who was being that voice uh, receiving, um, information and just messages directly from God to the people. So all they had were the old Testament uh, writings and they just had to like hold on to it. And so for these, uh, really divine encounters to be taking place, it was honestly kind of scary, but at the same time, they didn't do it out of fear. They did it out of conviction And, but yet on top of it, like, yeah, there was a level of just kind of like, um, are we doing the right thing? Like what's going on? Like there were probably a young couple. I mean, I, I remember being a brand new day's parent, you know, like coming home with a brand new baby and just kind of like, I was just given a baby. Like this hospital just decided to give me a baby. What? (laughs) And you, all these questions that you may have in your head and, now you have this, not just like legal responsibility, but there's like spiritual. And, and so for them to hear what Simeon spoke over baby Jesus, I think it wasn't like, well, yes, it was to speak about Jesus's life. But at that moment, I really believe that that was God affirming both Joseph and Mary as new parents, because well, let me tell you, in the beginning, in those beginning stages, those like trench days where it's just like sleep deprivation 101, wow, you need all the encouragement you can get. And being that they were doing a type of family that was unheard of, hello, there's been zero divine 
conception since that time, right? Jesus is the only divine conception, virgin birth, right? So for them, really, they were just trailblazing. This was like, they were doing their own path. There wasn't a pregnancy guidebook. There wasn't a how-to parenting book. None of that. It was just, okay, we're going to trust what this angel told us and what the Old Testament prophecies declare. And here we go. Here we go into the temple. And God continued to meet them and encounter them with affirmation and confirmation. Not just any type of confirmation, but prophetic confirmation. So that they had that assurance deep down in their soul that they knew that they needed to prepare the way for Christ. And so that even started in his infancy. This wasn't something that started when Jesus started his ministry in his 30s. No, it needed to start since the beginning. You know, like, yes, Jesus was born. Amazing. Hello. We <laughs> celebrate it to this day. Merry Christmas. But that wasn't it. That wasn't the end. It was only the beginning, right? Baby's born and the work begins. And so this prayer, this uh prophecy was really just like a, a way for them to to be confirmed to be um, words to hold on to to know that like hey this this is bigger than us so we need to hold on to God's words and not hold on to our own fears I know that for myself uh, this actually happened not this in, you know, this text, but something similar to me when I was pregnant with my daughter with actually both my kids. But I, I remember we were at a, at a Sunday service and, um, both my children, I had, um, both my pregnancies, I had gestational diabetes and learning about it the second time around was devastating. It was devastating the first time, but the second time it was more so because I really thought like, Hey, you know, God's, God's going to meet me and, you know, I'm healed in Jesus name and we're done with this. Right. And then to hear the news that like, no, you're going to have to walk through this again was so disheartening. I felt like I was doing something wrong, which is not the case, but I was in the service and we're in worship and I'm just like giving this burden to God. And I felt clear as day like clear as day, God speaking to me and telling me that God was going to use my children as instruments of healing, that specific term, instruments of healing. And I just held on to that. Like, I'm like, this is, yes, this is what my kids are going to be like in every facet of the word, physically, spiritually, in their careers, schooling, with their friends, every aspect. And I've held on to that, you know, it's, it, while my kids are still very young and they're uh, in toddler stage, you know, they may not be having challenges like college or marriage or that type of thing, but the things that they encounter, even as children claiming those words over their life. So that was more so, even though it was a word that was spoken about my kids, but it was a word that I received they didn't receive. I received it so that I can live it out first for them, practice it, make it something that is a daily lifestyle that all they know 
is to live as instruments of healing. That's it. And so in a sense, while yes, Jesus was 100% um, human and 100% divine, God still utilized Joseph and Mary to partner. Could you imagine that? To partner in his upbringing, to take part in who he was. So, I mean, man, he had Jewish customs. He probably had like Joseph and Mary's mannerisms. Uh, maybe like he joked like Joseph or maybe he like sat up like him or had certain foods, maybe certain meals that Mary made that he really enjoyed. Just likes and dislikes like he really became who they who they were and so in that same way like he be, he just emulated them and so again they needed this as new parents as these parents that were completely trailblazing a new type of family a new type of family that never existed and that would not exist again and so they our, our parents to watch and to continue to watch and so much richness can be taken out and can be observed and applied today um, because of the, the incredible faith that they had and that they had to continue to live out on a daily basis because they were the family that stuck out like a sore thumb like everyone in town knew like oh yeah yeah and you knew about Mary mm-hmm, yeah and they got pre- when they got married yeah she was pregnant mm-hmm God, quote unquote, they say, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's a fun story, right? So, I mean, these are things that they had to hear every day. They lived in a small town. It wasn't, everyone knew everyone. It just, this was not something that was going away, right? And so I really believe that this, uh, these words that Simeon spoke was first and foremost for them and for their hearts so that they can have that ounce of encouragement, that ounce of courage, of of faith and vigor to move forward, to enter into the season of divine parenting, I believe, with total courage, with total confidence, not allowing for opinions and people's words to sway them in any shape or other way. And so the text continues on it and in, in, it introduces us to another individual. So in verse 33, so we're still in Luke, Luke uh, chapter 2, verse 33, excuse me, 36 says, There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, so as Simeon was prophesying, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee. To their own town of Nazareth. So Anna, first first introduction is that she was a prophet, a prophetess, a woman that lived in the prophetic. And again, like I mentioned earlier, 
having regular divine encounters was not something that was common at that point just yet. After the Pentecost, yes, the Spirit of God moving among humans, everyday believers, everyday people, something that we experience every day today is a true gift because it was not something that was regularly experienced by by these uh, these individuals and so Anna I love the the way that it just gives us a bit of a synopsis about who she was she was a, a woman that was old in age and so just even indicating that she's old in age at this particular uh, time period in biblical times you know elderly children women were not really like, cream of the crop if you say like they weren't really revered they weren't really like okay like these are the people that are gonna lead our countries or our leadership it's just kind of like well you're old so she had a lot of things that were against her number one she was a woman women were not allowed to vote women were not even a part of the census they weren't even considered citizens they were just, you either were a part of your husband or you were a part of your father. And it already tells us that her husband died really early on in their marriage. And so she was a widow for, sounds like, 80 plus years, which there's a little bit of a debate on that. Um, some theologians believe it's like 84 years or that she was 84 years old. So point being, she's been a widow for a very long time. And being that she spent so much time in the temple, it also, uh, many theologians believe that that's an indication that there wasn't actual family that was physically around her to take her in. So there wasn't a mother and a father to go back home to. So it was customary if a husband was to pass away tragically for the woman to return back to her home. And if that wasn't the case, then either they had to live from their community or many times from the temple. And so this was a woman that just became so dev devoted to her faith. She just clung on to it. It wasn't something that she allowed for this tragedy to mark her. She, in turn, turned it around and like, yeah, I'm living off of the temple, but I am, it's almost like there was a, a fire that turned on and that she continued to light every single day of her life. The way that it describes her as a woman that was in worship night and day, fasting and praying. Um, again, she was one, just like Simeon, to be able to recognize when the Spirit of God was moving, when there was a prophetic move taking place, something that when Jesus uh, began his ministry, that he would really like go at it with the religious leaders was that they didn't recognize the times. They're like so caught up with like, oh, you're breaking this law. You're breaking that law. Oh, it's the Sabbath. You're not supposed to step on that. You can't eat this. You can't eat that. That he's like, are you guys not paying attention to what is happening? You can't even recognize the son of man. He is literally right in front of your face and you don't recognize who I am. 
And they were just dumbfounded, just looking at him like, this guy is just so not what we expected. But yet, these two individuals, Simeon, Anna, people that by the time Jesus began his public ministry were long gone. They're in their 80s, 90s. I mean, they're coming up to like the end of their life. But yet they had so much zeal, so much forthright in, in, in vision casting into the future that this wasn't just a baby to be born like, oh, yeah, you were born right now. Like, oh, how cute. Yay. Okay. It was. And, and I say that because I think we can get so and I'm guilty of this. We get so wrapped up in like the Christmas season. They're like, oh, it's amazing. Yay. I've even seen people post already that they're like, oh, my God, I can't wait to get rid of like my Christmas tree. And I want to just like <laughs> clean house and be done with it. Like, bye Christmas. I'll see you next year. And I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with that. Just that we want to make sure that we continue in believing what God is doing in the lives of, of others, 